Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Romans 12. What are you going to teach on today, Pastor? Good question. We just finished our series talking about what significant relationship to what you and I walk out as God's children knowing in context to what we have available to us as believers, what we experience in our life as a believer in relationship to God. Today, I'm going to start a brand new series talking about thinking like God thinks. Thinking like God thinks. A lot of people might word it this way, how to renew the mind. But renewing, renewing the mind is all about thinking the way God thinks. Amen. And God says you can. Yes. And I'll guarantee you, thoughts are powerful. We're going to talk today about the significance of your thoughts according to Scripture, how that impacts your life. And then we're going to start learning starting next Sunday how we apply walking out of, the, out of the Scriptures, how we can think like God thinks. How do we do this? How do we actually change our thoughts to think like God? Significant to what we live out every day. Matt actually touched on this a little bit on his message while I was at Good Guys uh, a couple Sundays ago. But I want you to know that it's significant we understand this because we need to walk it out in our daily life. The truth is, any thought you have that God wouldn't think, you can change and you should. Because I will promise you, you're still thinking some thoughts you shouldn't be thinking that are affecting your life in a negative way. And literally, thoughts define us. Proverbs 23, 7, if you want to write it down just as a reference verse, I'm not going to turn to it today. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Think about that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what's the heart referring to there? Actually, it's not referring to the spirit of man there. It's referring to the soul. That's where your thought life is. If you think about it in relationship to what Satan's really after, is Satan after my spirit? No, he's not. He's after your soul. So he's talking about the mind being the battleground all the time. Why? Because whoever controls the soul controls the rest of the human. You're a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Everything has to be determined through that soul, mind, will, and emotions, what you're going to live out, what you're going to do, how you're going to live, where you're going to go. None of that's determined by your body alone. Your body feeds information to your soul. Your soul does something with it. It either responds to it on its own or it transmits that information to your spirit man. Now, everything you transmit to your spirit man, don't think I'm being spooky or weird here if you never heard this. This is all through the Bible. If, if whatever's transmitted to your spirit, say, I'm a spirit. spirit. Bible says this clearly in the book of Thessalonians. You're a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. Amen? So that's why you don't ever die. There is no, in the sense, death like no, no, no existence. No, everybody's going to exist forever. Just different residences. But realize, for all of us, we're a spirit being. We have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. Everything that relates to our life gets conveyed to us by that soul. Now, information that comes to us from the body, if it's not of God, gets, com gets communicated to the spirit, but the spirit rejects it that's born again. Because the spirit has nothing to do with that which is not of God. It knows it's not of God. It has the Holy Spirit living in it to help it understand what's of God and what's not. So the spirit rejects it. If the spirit rejects it and the soul decides to do it anyway and go with the body, with the flesh, with the outer nature, then guess what? You're not going to think like God thinks. You're going to do things your own way. And you're going to live on a whole lower level of life than what God intended for us to live. But if we learn to get the right information to our soul, renewal of our mind, to think like God thinks, now what we convey to our spirit, guess what our spirit does? He takes hold of it and said, yes, I can bring that to pass. And he rises up now as the dominant one, and he now influences through the soul, the body, and the outcome of life. We'll say that again. When your spirit receives through your soul, where does that come from? Your body, your eyes, your ears. Everything communicated to your soul comes to your eyes or your ears. What you read, what you hear, what you see, what you hear. So that gets communicated to your soul. What if I actually take the time to work on consistently all of my life every day, renewing my mind to think like God thinks? And that means you're going to train your eye and your ear 
to what only God thinks. And when you do, your soul picks it up. Now it's thinking like God, and it conveys it to the Spirit, and the Spirit says, that's of God. And so the Spirit can take hold of it, which is what you want it to do, and now the Spirit dominates through the soul, the body, and you walk out what God's plan is. That's twice. I'm going to do it one more time. Ready? So your soul is the purveyor of information. It comes through your body, what you see, what you hear. If it's of God, after it comes to the soul, everything gets conveyed to the spirit, man. If it's not of God, your spirit rejects it, wants nothing to do with it. But if your spirit knows of it is of God, and it does, because the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit, if it's of God, then all of a sudden the spirit rises up in dominance because now you're doing what we're teaching our guys. You're walking in a total man. This way God designed it. And the spirit now dominates through the soul and controls the body. And so even though you see things in the natural that are trying to come against you, guess what? You rise up in faith and overcome them. Because you know what God said. So look at these verses with a little bit new understanding of what we're going to read here. of Some very familiar scripture with most of you I know. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren. So we clearly know who he's telling this to are believers. In relationship to a non-believer, this won't work. You cannot renew your mind to the things of God unless you're born again because your spirit, the Bible says the things of God are foolishness to him. Book of Romans. The things of God are foolishness to him who's perishing. So if you're not born again, this is why reading the Bible really doesn't actually ignite anything in you, doesn't excite you, Kind of boring to you. It's not boring to your spirit man as a believer. It's boring to your flesh because your flesh wants to be lazy. There's nothing good that dwells in the flesh, the Bible says. Your flesh wants to be lazy. It wants to do its own thing. So you got to understand, as a believer though, when stuff gets conveyed to my spirit man that's of God, he gets excited. It's like a kid waiting for Christmas to show up and now all of a sudden, guess what? You come down on Christmas Day and the presents are open. Woo! Well, that's what your spirit does when it gets things from God. But how does it get things from God? It's got to come through your soul to be able to be conveyed and transmitted to your spirit. And when it's obviously done so to a believer, guess what? It makes sense. You get information, understanding, revelation out of it. And that changes how you live. Can I get a better amen? I'll guarantee I like something Cassie had come to talk to me about where God had given her some stuff. And I said, I think you're right on here. I think the more you talk about what you're saying and what you're declaring about the spirit, man, I would have to say you're probably right about. Well, that didn't come from her flesh in the sense of the natural. That came her conveying that through her soul in the Bible to her spirit, man. Her spirit, man, picked up on it and said, hey, guess what? I got some revelation for you here. So again, notice this, I beseech you therefore, brethren. So this works for believers. If you're not born again, that's why you don't like the Bible. If you're not born again, that's why it's boring to you. So if you're not born again, if you haven't been born again on the inside, again, it's foolishness to you. It's foolishness to go to church. It's foolishness to read the Bible. Why? Your spirit's not united with God. It's still carnal. Notice this, he said, I beseech you by the mercies of God. Now the word mercies, circle or highlight or underline that word. The word there, New Testament, originally written in Greek, is benefits. Listen to that. Benefits. I beseech means to urge. An urgency. I have an urgency to you, brethren, those who are born again, by the benefits God has available to you, that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice Holy, set apart, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So how in the world could I ever even, verse 2, renew my mind if I don't present my body, verse 1, to God? You're not going to. Because if you don't present your body as a living sacrifice to God, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to renew your mind to this. I'm not, my, my physical eyes don't want to look at the Bible. My physical eyes don't want to read the Bible. My physical, my, I'm talking about my body. There's nothing of my body because it's still of a fallen nature. How I many know you're going to get a new body when Jesus comes back? But, but as of now, it don't want to do those things. So you have to present this body as a living sacrifice. There's a problem with living sacrifices. They want to get off the altar all the time. You understand? When a sacrifice is already dead, it don't want to get off the altar. Why? It can. It's not alive. But a living sacrifice means you're going to have to battle with this. This is why Paul said, I die daily. So I got to realize every day I got to present my flesh to God. If I want to walk in what God has for my life. Amen. 
Verse 2, and do not be what? Conformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, underline it please, by the renewing of your mind. That never ends between now and the time Jesus comes back. Because we can become more and more and more and more like him every day. Every day. Why would you not? This is my question to people that don't want to go to church and read their Bible that are born again and want to get into the things of God. Why would you not want to be like God? Well, I don't have to go to church to do that. The Bible said you do. The Bible said you do. The Bible said you got to go obviously get taught the word of God so that you can be equipped to know how to do this. So he says, clearly not to be conformed to this world, but be what transformed. That's where we get the word metamorphosis from that Greek word there. Metamorpho is the Greek. Metamorphosis is where we get it. I remember going back to school days and learning about the metamorphosis of the caterpillar into the butterfly. So there's no metamorphosis without what? Renewing of the mind. But you can take what was once an ugly part of your life and make it beautiful. You can take what was once a really horrible part of your life and change it into something that's really great. I like a better amen than that. So we can be, but how do we do it? You have to be what? Renewing the mind. By the renewing of your mind, watch this, and as you do, you will prove. I like it this way. One context of the Greek says it this way. You'll become living proof. You'll become living proof to that which is good, acceptable, and perfect in the very will of God. Meaning what? I'll walk out God's will. So you can't walk out God's will for your life without what? Renewing your mind. Not possible. There is no transformation of anybody's life without what? Renewing of the mind. We want to zoom in on verse 2 for a minute. We want to look at three key words here. We're going to look at conformed. We're going to look at transformed. And we're going to look at renewing. Okay, so verse 2 again. Do not be what? First word, conformed. So this word conformed is simple. It means to shape one thing like another. means to shape one thing like another. If I'm conformed to the world, I'm shaped like the world. So I think it was interesting. God leads Matt today to sing the song, The Potter's Hand. How do we get ourselves as clay in the potter's hand? Renewing of the mind. Think like God does. If you think like God does, guess what you're doing? You're in God's hands. If you're not thinking like God does, guess whose hands you're not in? You're not in God's hands. Guess whose hands you're in? The world's. Who's the God of this world? Satan. Who is forming you to decide how you live, what you think, what you do, where you go? The world is. Without renewal of the mind, the world's determining that. The Bible's clear about it. You are not to be formed to be like the world. That's the word conformed. To form to be like something. The moment you got born again, guess what? You're now supposed to go through a transformation. A metamorphous process. Continual metamorphous process from glory to glory. So realize you and I have the privilege of being able to walk out what is God's will for our life. What an absolute awesome joy that we could live on the planet like Jesus did. We could live the kind of life Jesus did. You don't believe that. Write down John 14, 12 in your notes and go renew yourself to what he said. He said, the works I do, you can do also. You can do what I did. You can live the kind of life I lived. If you believe, if you believe in my word, do what it says. So again, to be conformed means to be formed after something. So what is he telling you not to do? Don't be formed after the world. Don't be formed after the world. So question number one comes up, when am I being formed after the world. Or we should say it this way. When am I being formed by the world? When am I being formed by the world? When am I? When am I? When I'm having thoughts like the world. If I don't deal with these thoughts that are thinking the way the world does, you're constantly being formed to actually be fashioned after the world. You listening? We can get rid of all these thoughts. Don't think you can't. Talking about the significant ones that literally determine where you're going to go in life. You, I'm going to show you an example to close of the day. You're not going to want to miss it. You can literally take every thought that is according to the ways of the world. That What's every thought based on what the world says is right or wrong trying to do? Form you to live like the world. That's its goal. That's Satan's goal. He wants you to live like the world lives. Because if you live like the world lives, guess what you're not going to live like? You're not going to live like God lives. Guess what the devil don't want you to do? He don't want you to live like God lives. You know why? He don't want you liberated. He don't want you powerful. He don't want you coming against him with the authority you have, knowing how to use it like Jesus did. Come on, when the the sons of Sceva try to cast a demon out of a guy, right? 
I mean, when the sons of Sceva try to cast this demon out and it jumps on the sons of Sceva and beats the snot out of them. Why did it beat the snot out of them? Remember what it said? The demon spoke. Say the demon spoke. What did the demon say? You ready for this? You ready for this? The sons of Sceva said, you come out by the very Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, let me tell you what they knew. They knew what Paul had done, but they didn't know the guy that Paul actually had done this with. They just knew how he did it. They didn't have their minds to renew to believe they could do it. They just thought, I'll guarantee you what they were doing. They thought, let's try this. This this looks pretty cool. They obviously had to see him do it. This looks pretty cool. Did you see that, guys? Paul, he rebuked that demon. It came out. Let's go try this. I know a demon-possessed guy. Come on. Let's go try it. This would be cool. And they go find this guy and they say, come out by the day, come out by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demon talks back. What the demons say? Jesus I know. Paul I know. Ready for this? Who are you? Now see, if they were born again, they would have known who they were. You know what they'd have said? Demon, how much time you got? Let me tell you, I'm a blood-washed, born-again child of the living God, given authority over you. You're under my feet, and I told you to get out in Jesus' name. You have no option. But see, they didn't do that. They look, they, they're like, this didn't work the way Paul did it. They're saying they're dumbfounded. And what's the demon do? Jumps on them, beats them all up, rips their clothes off, and they run out of the house naked and afraid. Now, folks, don't let that scare you about demons because guess what? If you renew your mind, know who you are, guess there ain't a demon on the planet that you should be afraid of. I want to get to something really quick. Think about every thought. I want you to just take a moment. Close your eyes. Just think about this statement. Think about every thought that comes to your mind that brings about fear. Think about that. Afraid to eat this. Afraid to do that. Afraid to go there. Afraid to go here. Anything at all in your mind that brings up a thought of fear. Guess where that thought came from? came from the world. Open your eyes. Think about it. Did Jesus ever have one thought of being afraid of anything? No. And you have the ability to think like he did. Look what happened with COVID. Why, did, why was COVID so powerful? Well, I'll guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, the plague wasn't powerful. Matter of fact, obviously, like most of us found out, it was obviously not even as dangerous as the flu. Statistically proven. I'm not, I'm not faulting anybody, sadly, who may have died from it. I don't want to see anybody die from the flu either. But statistically, honestly, I mean, I don't want to get off into all that. I'm just saying, what was the power behind it? Fear. It was the fear that it instilled in people. So I have a question. When Jesus walked the planet, what plague was he afraid of? What disease was he afraid of? Hey, some of you not going to like this. Jesus ate food without washing his hands. Is it wrong to teach your kids to wash their hands? No. But when you are eating out of, quote unquote, doing all this stuff out of fear, that's not God's thought. Jesus ate without washing his hands. The leaders of the day who brought up all these old, of their own religious laws that God never created said, how come you and your disciples eat without washing your hands? Remember they were going through a grain field and they were picking the heads of grain and eating it. They didn't have time to wash their hands. And lo and behold, it didn't hurt them. Just food, man. Just passes through the body. But if you're afraid of it, it'll become a whole lot more than that. I think of Terry Myers. I think, you know, Terry said, the Bible says this thing, he said, this is a part of being a missionary I don't like. The Bible says you eat what's set before you. He said, I guarantee you, you go someplace I've been in the world, you ought to see what they set before you. And I got to obey the Bible. Said, eat what's set before you. Give God thanks, and I have. Now, I guarantee you, folks, if you walk like God walks, come on, somebody. I'm going to help you today if you'll listen. If you walk like God walks, I'm going to tell you why you do, because you think like God thinks. And you can. 1 Corinthians 2 says you have the mind of Christ. What's that mean? You have the ability to think like God thinks. Once you're born again, you can do it. But what must I do? i got to renew my mind. So number one, I don't want to be conformed. I don't want to be formed to be like the world. So when am I being formed to be like the world again? When I'm allowing the thoughts of the world to rule my thought life. If I'm allowing the thoughts of the world to to rule my thought life, I'm being formed to be like the world. Don't do that. Be what? Transform. Second word. What's transforming? Changing into another form. Changing into another form. Before you got born again, you had all kinds of worldly thoughts. 
which caused you to be fashioned after the world. When you got born again, what's the goal? To be transformed, to be what? Changed into a different form. Changed into a different person altogether. To actually how you live, what you do, what you say, where you go. How you see life. You and I are to go through this transformation, which again, transform means what? Changed into another form, something you weren't before. Now, your spirit's brand new born again, but God wants you to change on the outside into looking like Jesus, sounding like Jesus, living like Jesus. Wigglesworth literally would walk in a room, man. He'd walk in a room and people start hitting their knees in some places where he would go. He never even preached the gospel to them. He was sitting on a train one time. I've shared this with you many times. He gets on a train travel. It was common back in that day to go somewhere. He goes and sits on a train. He don't have a Bible out. He's not reading the Bible. He's not praying. He just sits down. And he just sits down on the... How many of you ever had this happen to you? He sits down on the train and the guy across from him gets all fidgety. And the guy finally jumps up and says, You convict me of my sin, sir. And he runs out of the train. He never said a word to him. I'm going to tell you why. The presence of God was on that man. You see, we got a problem today, a little side note, a little rabbit trail. We got a problem today in the body of Christ. We're afraid to offend sinners. Let me help you. Let me help you. If you preach the true gospel, sinners aren't going to like it because their old fleshly nature doesn't want to walk away from it. So it's going to be offensive to them. Well, Jesus said you shouldn't give offense. You ought to read that. When he said don't give offense, it's a different word. When he said don't give offense, he said don't you ever become a stumbling block to somebody else to fall into sin. That's what he was referring to. If you preach the gospel, guess what's going to happen? People will get offended. Because he even said, blessed is he who's not offended by me, by what I've said. If you're offended, you're not going to do it. Say, I am supposed to go through transformation. Meaning what? Changing into another form. So how do I do that? By the renewing. Say renewing. Renewing of what? The mind, the way I think. So here's the translation for the word renewing. You ready? It is the adjustments, pretty long, get the last part. It's the adjustment of spiritual vision and thinking to the mind of God. Get that. It is the adjustment, say adjustment. It's the adjustment of spiritual vision, what you see within, and thinking in your soul to the mind of God. You're adjusting your spiritual vision. What's that mean? I'm now seeing things the way God sees them. When I look at a situation, it's just like we sang that that last song. I'm now seeing it through your eyes, God. You can see things through God's eyes. You can see people through God's eyes. We're supposed to. We can see circumstances. Instead of seeing a circumstance like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh my God. Where did Jesus ever do that? Where did Jesus ever walk up to a situation and said, Father, I just don't know what we're going to do. Man, we're going to lose everything. I'll tell you, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't think we're going to have enough to preach the gospel. You're going to have to do something else because this just ain't working. Where did Jesus ever do that? Well, why do we? Why do we? I'll tell you why. Wrong thinking. Because we're thinking like the world, not like God. When you think like God, guess what happens? Let me help you. Oh, please get this. When you think like God, all of a sudden, when you focus your eyes on something, you're going to go, wow. Why? Because you're going to see it in a way you've never seen it before. Because now you're seeing the way God does. It'll change your spiritual vision. It'll change what you visualize from out of your spirit man, which is how we're supposed to see things. And it does so how? It does so by the changing of the thinking of the mind to think like God. Last definition of the renewing of the mind. It means to renovate. Come on, all you home renovate DIYer TV people that love to watch all these shows. Renovation. Ready? A complete change for the better. Renewing means a complete change for the better. I'm going to renew my mind to the Word of God, which is what? It's a complete change for the better. But like renovating a home or a room or anything else, guess what you got to do? You got to go in and make a huge mess. You got to go in and tear a bunch of stuff up and get a bunch of stuff out before you bring all the new stuff in. And when you bring the Word of God in, guess what you're going to have to do? You have to do some demolition work. You have to do some destruction work to the Word of God to tear some stuff down, some old stupid wrong thinking. It's going to be hard at first. It's not going to be easy. No renovation is easy, although unless you're Chip Gaines, I guess that part is really fun. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. 
If you know Chip and Joanna Gaines, he likes the destruction. He likes the he likes the destruction part, not the reconstruction part. He likes tearing everything apart. You know, I think he's got something about him. He just likes to break things up. I guess I don't know. But you know what? For most people going through the renovating of the mind, that's not the fun part. That's the challenging part. It's the challenging part. But when you start putting up the new stuff, man, it's for the better. And when you get it done, you walk in this brand new room. Guess what? You're like, wow, didn't know it could look. How many of you have ever seen one of these shows where you see the before and after? You're like, I never thought it could look like that. Seriously. But see, they did. They knew all along. Let me help you. You don't realize the things God sees about you that he says you don't realize how good you could look. You don't realize how much better you could live life. You don't realize how much a higher form of life you could be living. I see it. You don't. But I see it because I know you. You're my child. I, I put potential in you. But what do you got to do? Renew the mind. So I want you to get these two points. If you get nothing else out of Romans 12, 2 today, we'll come back. But I want you to get this today. Not today, but we'll come back later. Thoughts form what we become. Write it down. Thoughts form what we become. You either believe the Bible or you don't. If you're not born again, you're going to challenge that, think, I don't believe that, I don't know if that's true, da 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 da, da. I'm going to show you a story today how powerful thoughts are. And there's many of them. But thoughts do. They form what you become. Again, Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, in his soul, in the inner part of his reasoning being, that's what he becomes. Like it or not, that's a fact. Why? Well, you just talked about the importance of our words in this last series, Pastor. I did. Where do those words come from? Your thoughts. Because what you think about yourself, you start speaking. If you think you're a loser, guess what you say? Loser. Right. See me? See me? I mean, you might not be putting your hand up on top of your head, but guess what you're saying all the time? You're speaking words of doubt and, de- doubt and defeat. You're speaking words of unbelief. I'll tell you why you speak words of unbelief. You ready? Are you ready? Yes. How many know unbelief's a thief? Yes. Unbelief is robbing you from what God has for your life. So how does unbelief come? Wrong thoughts. Right. See, wrong thoughts are just the result of not thinking the way God thinks. There's not a single thought that comes from God when you renovate your mind that's going to cause you to get in unbelief. It's not going to cause you to get in fear. You're not going to be afraid of anybody or anything. That don't mean you just walk around the planet like you're somebody. No, my God's somebody. I'm not somebody. I'm somebody in Him, thank God. But it's, I'm one spirit with Him. Come on, somebody. I'm an heir of His. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I have His authority. It's not my power. It's His. I walk around with the use of it by the name of Jesus. So you got to realize and understand this. This is so significant. You have to know my thoughts. Listen again. My thoughts are doing what? My thoughts are forming what I become. Say it. My thoughts are forming what I become. What you're going to become in your tomorrow is you're thinking on today. That's how you view yourself today. And again, it's difficult at the start because here's something a lot of people don't get. We'll get into this starting next week, hopefully. But when you meditate on something long enough, Guess what? That's literally you standing inside the room and you're working on tearing something down, tearing something down, tearing something down, then finally putting something up. That's meditation. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't renovate a room overnight. Right? You don't renovate your thoughts overnight. You know what you got to do? You got to take the Word of God, keep working on it till you tear everything down that needs to get out and then put up what needs to be there in its place. And when you do, it's a lot easier now to maintain it and keep it nice. You don't have to go through all the teardown process again, but it takes a while. A lot of us have a lot of old junk on our walls that we need to get rid of. Let me help you. There's nothing that will tell you more about your life or what you need to get rid of than when you move. Because <laughs> when you go to move, you got to pack everything up. You're like, we really need all this stuff? You listening? We're still trying to get the garbage man to catch up with where we are. I got more garbage than the garbage man can get. So I'm trying to help you understand, though, it's a process. It's not easy. If you want it easy, then I will promise you, you're not going to walk in what God has for your life because the renewal of the mind is not easy when you first start tearing things down. Old ways of thinking. I'm going to leave you with something today, though, that I want you to forget, and I'm going to say it multiple times starting right now. I want you to start thinking about what you're thinking about. I want you to hear that. God wants you to. That's what God instructed me to tell you today. I want you to start thinking about what you're thinking about. Seriously. Start thinking about what you are thinking about. What am I thinking about? Have you ever even thought to ask yourself the question? Because if you don't, guess what? What's already there is just going to stay there. Because you're not even thinking about what you're thinking about. You're just automatically thinking about it. 
Why? Because it's normal to you. It's what you do day in and day out. But you got to start examining these thoughts. We're going to get into this later. You got to start. Does anybody want to walk in the will of God for your life? You got to start examining these thoughts because what you think about forms you. He just told you. Don't be formed to be like the world. So how am I formed to be like the world? I'm thinking worldly thoughts. Come on, somebody. Go through the metamorphosis process. Come on, to get into the higher life, the higher plan, the higher will of God for you. By doing what? Renewing your mind. By actually taking God's word to begin to see how God sees things. Think about the way God thinks about things. Tearing down those old thoughts and replacing with new. And if you do, guess what those thoughts are going to do? They're going to form your future to be like God. Anybody want to be like that? Second point I want to make. So number one, thoughts form what we become. Number two, out of these verses, listen. For us to live like God, we must think like God. Very simple, not hard to figure out, but profound in truth. And a lot of people still don't get it. Because if they did, how many, can I ask a question? Based on what you see of Jesus' life, by the way, if you don't know it, you know, a lot of people view Jesus as one thing and God the Father as another. You know, Jesus is the cool you know, nice, loving, pat, compassionate, want to help your brother. But God, you know, God the Father, boy, he's this mean old gruff guy up there, you know. Probably looks pretty nasty, pretty gnarly. You know, just, some people are like, man, he's just waiting to get you, boy. He got this gigantic human fly swatter, and he's just waiting to squat you, you know. But a lot of people do. They have a view. You know why? Satan gave him that view. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, you've seen me. I'm a divine representation. So here, I, just a challenging question. How many want to live like God? Can I, see, if you're serious, if you want to live like God, you can't live like God unless you do what? You got to start thinking like God. So this is point number two out of these verses. For us to live like God, we must say we must. We must think like God because your thinking forms your life. If you don't think like God, you're not going to live like him. And if you're not going to live like God, what are you going to live like? The world. Automatically, you're going to default to live like the world, which is living like Satan which is living like the way people who don't know God live. And thank God we don't have to do that. Back up to Romans 8. Romans 8. Am I helping you all today? Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Romans 8, verse 5. Let's touch on a couple verses here real quick. It says here, For those who live according to the flesh, the old carnal nature way of living, which obviously is not the way God lives, but that's the way humans who are fallen live. So that's the statement. For those who live according to the flesh, why do they do so? Because they set their minds on the things of the flesh. Can I help you? Setting your minds on the things of the flesh is another way to say they think the way the flesh thinks or the way the world thinks. If I think the way the world thinks, what am I going to do? I'm going to live according to the ways of the world. Flesh is carnal, carnal in nature, not the way God lives. God's a spirit. Say he's a spirit. So are you. You're called to live like a spirit, not like a carnal being. As men are learning in our study, total man, the spirit when dominating dictates, therefore, what the soul is actually responding to, and therefore the body lines up and subjects itself with it. And now you're walking as a spirit being led by God. Greatest way to live. But to do that, you can't do what? Have your mind filled with thoughts of the flesh. Because if you set your mind on the things of flesh, what are you going to do? You're going to fashion your life after the flesh. It's another word for live according to. Live according is another word like we talk about the clay. You're fashioning your life after the flesh. If you're doing what? Setting your mind on the things of the flesh or thinking carnal. But those who live according to the Spirit, that would be the way God lives. That would be the way God lives. That would be the kind of life God lives. What do they do? They think on different things. They think on the things of the Spirit. So they take the thoughts of God. This verse is simply another way, verse 5, to say, you take the thoughts of the world or the thoughts of God. You take the thoughts of the world, you're going to live carnal. You take the thoughts of God, you're going to live what? Spiritual. You're going to live like God. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded, thoughts again. What's carnally minded? You're thinking like the world. What is it? Tell me what is it. Tell me what is it. Be carnally minded is what? It's death, watch this, but to be spiritually minded is what? Woo, come on, shout it at me. Tell me again. So the word life there, most of you know it's zoe. What's it mean? It means life as God has it, or the God kind of life. 
which is filled with what? Peace. Well, I, I've told you this for years, right? I've told you this for years. We were talking about this with somebody the other day. I absolutely, we know a little gal who sadly her car engine, you know, went kaput, man. It ran out of, out of uh, I think it was water, right? Went out of water, the radiator, uh, I think it was or something. Anyway, her car, yeah, I'm pretty sure it did overheated. And I said, didn't you watch for the gauges on your deal? And Kathy, because she remembers, I said all the time, she said, don't you call them stupid lights all the time in church? When the light comes on, it's kind of stupid because it's already overheated. I said, true. So I said, but you got to catch it right away. Well, she didn't know, so she drove the car without water and it seized the engine up. I hate stupid lights because stupid lights give you real no warning ahead of time. It's like the, hot, the engine's already hot, light comes on. Engine's hot. Well, you got just, I mean, minutes to pull over and get that thing shut down. But I love gauges back in my day. Anybody remember growing up with gauges? Some are coming back. Yeah. Right? Temperature gauge, you know. So it doesn't wait till it's overheating to warn you. I mean, you can watch that gauge. It starts going up, right? So you already know something ain't right here because it ain't where it's supposed to be. Let me help you. I, I just gave you a gauge for your life to determine what you're thinking about. God's Word did. God's Word did. Ready? When you're walking in perfect peace, what are you doing? You're thinking like God. Absence of peace, guess what you're not doing? You're not thinking like God right now. You're thinking like the world. Those who are spiritually minded are walking in Zoe, life as God has it, and therefore have peace. Amen. See, when you lose peace, guess why you're losing peace? Your thinking is wrong. You're not thinking like God thinks. Did Jesus walk in perfect peace? Why? He thought like God did about every situation, every circumstance. He thought like God and he walked in what? Perfect peace. How many want to walk in life as God has it? You got to be what? Spiritually minded. You got to think like God. Six, to be carnally minded again is what? It's death. So what is the opposite of life? Death. Meaning what? You're not going to have life like God has it. You're going to have life like the world has it. And death here doesn't mean that you no longer exist. Death means an absence of life like God has it. And therefore an absence of what? True peace. Please remember this, every time I get out of peace, that I am disrupted, that I am totally just, you know, being affected by all the things around me, guess why? You're not thinking like God thinks. Notice the next verse, 7. The carnal mind, that which is ruled again by the worldly thoughts, is against God. It's an enmity, enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot do what? Please God. Question. Hebrews eleven six. how do you please God? Faith. Walking by faith, trusting what he says, believe what he says, correct? Guess what you can't do? You can't walk in faith and think like the world. If you think like the world, you're thinking carnal. And if you're thinking carnal, there's no way you can please God because you're not going to put your faith in God. You're going to put your faith in what you see. You're going to put your faith in what you hear, not what God said. Any amens on that? So you got to understand the power of these verses. This is just another way to say, if you're thinking like God, what's the experience? Life like God has it, which is acknowledged by what? Peace. If I'm not thinking like God, what do I not have? Life like God has it. So I have absence of life. Therefore, I have absence of what? Peace. I'm walking in death. I'm walking the opposite of what is life as God has it. But if you want to walk in life as God has it, what do you got to do? You got to get this mind thinking like God. Go with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Say, praise the Lord, somebody. I'm going to say it again. I told you I'm going to say it throughout this service. I want you to take the challenge this week from God to start thinking about what you're thinking about. You need to hear that. You need to start taking time to think about what it is you're thinking about. If you really want to live life the way God does, you got to do something about your thought life. And you got to do it every day. But the more we do and we renovate and get the old thoughts out, we get the new stuff in, all of a sudden, guess what? It's not so hard. We still have to continue to maintain it, but we can do so. Isaiah 55. You there? Watch this. You ready? I said, you ready? 55.8. For my thoughts, God said to the prophet Isaiah, are not your thoughts. Pretty obvious, right? Say, the way I think ain't nothing. I know it ain't real good English, but just bear with me. It's a good Texas expression. Ain't nothing like God thinks. See, the way you think ain't nothing like God thinks. He said so. Your thoughts aren't like mine. 
If I'm going with my thoughts, not God. See, there's your thoughts. You ready? There's your thoughts, and then there's God's thoughts. And guess what? My thoughts aren't like God's thoughts. And God's thoughts aren't like my thoughts. But I can think like God. Because again, 1 Corinthians 2, 16 says, I have the mind of Christ. So I can do it because I'm born again. Watch this. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor therefore what? My ways, your ways. What determines your ways? What you think. What you think determines again your ways, how you're going to live, whether you're going to live like God or not. So then he kind of reverses the statement here. Notice this. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways then. Your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Read it again, verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now the heavens here could refer to all three heavens. And they are included because there are three of them. And the ultimate heaven is where God resides. Elon Musk, I think he's an interesting guy, richest man on the planet today. He's trying to find a way to inhabit Mars. Not because he thinks we should leave the, leave the earth. He just, he's, a, he's a thinker that thinks outside the box. I watched an interview with him with Jay Leno. He said, I'm not ditching earth. He said, I'm not even saying we're going to burn earth up. I'm just thinking we should explore the things that are out there. There's other stuff out there. Shouldn't we find out about it? I wanted to say, boy, I'd love to preach the gospel to this guy because he could find out a whole lot more about all that's out there if he just come to know God. And we could save him a lot of money. <laughs> He's got a space place here in, in Texas, man. They're spending one point something million dollars per rocket booster that they're building one a day. One a day, one plus million dollars. And they build one a day because he wants to be able to create a rocket ship that'll take you to Mars that they can fly back here and land again. He said the biggest problem that it just bothers me about all the aspects of space exploration is we don't treat, it, we don't treat a, a rocket like a plane. You don't fly a plane once and destroy it and say that's it. We fly a rocket once and we say we're done. He said, I'm trying to create a rocket that you can bring back and fly again and fly again and fly again and fly. Or there's no way it's even attainable to even think we could live there. Because you've got to be able to bring resources back and forth. At least he's smart enough to know you're not going to grow nothing up there you're going to eat. You're going to have to send supplies. You'll have to have rockets that can go around the clock back and forth to do that during the time you can get up there, which is only every two years. Say what you want about him, but my point is to say this. Where he's going isn't even nearly as high as where God's at. And God says, my ways are that much higher than yours. <laughs> Meaning what? They're that much better. Amen. You can live a higher life. Amen. I said, you can live a higher life. Amen. You can live a higher life. How? By getting God's thoughts. Because his thoughts are so much better. They're so much higher. and Therefore, it leads us into his ways that are so much higher. Amen. Verse 10, he says, for as the rain comes down, uh, comes down and snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and it brings forth and it buds that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. So we clearly know where we got to get his thoughts from and that's from his word. And that word when received and acted upon doesn't return void. It accomplishes what he intended. What did he send his word to do? What did, according to these verses, 8, 9, and 10, what did he intend for his word to do? Change your thinking, to think like him, to be planted in you, like an actual seed, to water what's in you, like rain to a seed, to bring forth God's thoughts, so you can live a higher life like God lives. You can live a life like Jesus lived. It shall, it, notice again, so shall, verse 11, my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return void. It will accomplish what, it, what I please. It will prosper in the thing for which I said it. But that word has to actually be received to do its work. Yes. Amen. Amen. So what involves the aspect of our thoughts? Really simple. No form of religion, not what man says, not what anybody ever says in relationship to anything about God that's not based on what? His word. We got to make sure to get God's thoughts that we only go in line with what God's word says. You can't go by what other people say. Well, let me tell you about the God I know. Wait a minute, wait a minute. If he ain't the God of this Bible, oh, he is. But if they start saying things contrary to the Bible, let me help you. You don't want those thoughts because those aren't God's. The only place you get God's thoughts is here from God's word. 
And every man or woman of God that ever got serious about changing their thought life and did so started living like God lived. Started seeing things the way God sees things. Can I get a better amen? Bring my other picture up for me today, chef. I got a little story I want to close with. Anybody know this guy? Anybody know his name? Wow, you shouldn't have read that for everybody. Anybody know who it is? It's a guy named Glenn Cunningham. See, most of us are like, who's this guy? Wow, what's the deal with this guy? Let me tell you a little bit of background about this guy from Kansas. His name is Glenn Cunningham. He was also known as the Kansas Iron Man or the Kansas Flyer. You ever heard the term Kansas Flyer? That was him. That was him, Glenn Cunningham. He was an American middle distance runner who repeatedly broke world and national records for the mile in the 1930s. See, because you weren't here in the 1930s, no problem. That's why you didn't know him. You weren't, were you? I'm joking. Some of you are still looking at me like, what? This, well, yeah, I could have. This guy here was one of the most incredible runners, middle distance runners, who broke world records and national records in the mile. He ran for the United States at the 1932 Olympics game in Los Angeles. He placed fourth in the 1500 meter race, but then he won a silver medal in the 1500 meter race at, 19, in, uh, at the 1936 Olympics in Berlin. So, so far, Pastor, you know, okay, he did some stuff. You know, what's so special about him? Hang on. I mean, we've got athletes that have done far more than he did. Yeah, but hang on. He was the fastest miler in the Amateur Athletic Union in 1933, 35, 36, 37, and 38. In 1934, he set a world record that was not broken for three years, running the mile in 4.06. He also set world records in the 800 meter in 1936 and in an indoor mile in 1938. Pretty fast runner. Set a record for the mile that was not broken for three years. You still here? Watch this. He also taught physical education at Carnell College from 1940 to 44. He then served in the Navy for two years. In 47, he established the Glen Cunningham Youth Ranch at which he helped thousands of troubled youth over a period of more than 30 years. Pretty cool guy. But let's talk about his childhood. When he was born, he was born in Atlanta, Kansas, but he grew up in Elkhart, Kansas. He was involved in a fire that was caused by a gasoline explosion at his school. Someone, some think, reported that it was brother, may not have been. Someone mistakenly put gasoline instead of kerosene in a coal stove, which was being used to heat his schoolhouse. His brother Floyd, who was 13, died at the time in the inferno. He was badly burnt on the legs to the extent the doctor told his mother that it would have been better that he had, not, uh, had died since he was doomed to remain crippled all his life. The doctor then recommended amputation of the legs. His mother refused amputation, but he remained confined to a wheelchair. One day his mother wheeled him outside to get some fresh air, but instead of sitting down hopeless... He determined in his heart to get up. Say his thoughts changed. Because you're only going to walk out what you think. He threw himself from the wheelchair to the floor. He dragged himself along the grass to the fence of the house. And with huge effort, he climbed the fence and gradually dragged himself along it with lifeless limbs. He continued to do this daily until he was finally able to stand one day. Gradually, he started walking, and then he began to run. This was roughly two years after the doctor said he would never walk again. He stayed positive. He stayed positive. How do you do that? Right thinking. I'm going to tell you how. He stayed positive and determined because his favorite Bible verse was Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. I'm going to tell you why that man accomplished all these great things with his life is because of thoughts. He took God's thoughts. Come on. 
He took God's thoughts, Isaiah 40, 31. He, he wasn't faulting the doctor. The doctor was just doing his business. But he didn't take the thoughts of the world. You can't run. You can't walk. Can't even think about using your legs again. They're so badly burnt, destroyed. It would have been better off if you died in the fire. You'd have been better off. He didn't take those thoughts. Come on, think about the stuff you would face. And you got a God who says nothing's impossible to those who believe. But how do you get there? You got to take God's thoughts. I said, you got to take God's thoughts. If Glenn Cunningham, who was told he would never walk, was actually recommended to actually have better off, been better off had he died in the fire and or had his legs amputated, if he could wind up actually setting a record in the mile, run into Olympics, come on, win all kinds of awards in, in uh, amateur athletics, and then even become an inspiration to a bunch of young kids after that? See, the reason so many of us live far below our privilege is we look at our life and we say, look how bad my life is. How bad was his life? See, what you're doing is you're letting the devil take advantage of you by you focusing on what's going on in the natural. And if you do, I'll tell you what you're going to think. You're going to think the world's thoughts about you. But you know what Glenn Cunningham chose to do? He chose to take God's thoughts about him. He got a hold of a verse of scripture. He got a hold of something of which God thinks on. And he started thinking what God thought. Come on, if I wait upon the Lord, he'll renew my strength. Come on, somebody. You listening? I'll walk and not grow weary. I will run. And boy, did he run. Now, don't tell me your thoughts aren't powerful. Your thoughts are forming your life, folks. Your thoughts are forming your life. We'll get into this more later, but the biggest way Satan gets you on the wrong thoughts, he's got you focused on the wrong thing. You're not looking at this right here. You're not looking at the Word of God. If you're not looking at the Word of God, remember again, what did he say in Isaiah 55? My thoughts aren't yours. My ways aren't yours. I sent my Word to do its work in you to change your thoughts. But if you don't take my Word and get my thoughts, you're going to live far below what God has for your life. But you don't have to. You can live a much higher life, a much better life. You can live the God kind of life. I said you can live the God kind of life. It doesn't mean it's not without adversity. Think of the adversity he faced, and yet he overcame it. How did he overcome it? He did not allow the thoughts of those around him in the world to dictate what he was going to think on. And because he didn't allow himself to think that, his actions acted upon what he knew, what the Bible said he could do. And that's a part of renewing the mind. Renewing the mind isn't just changing your thought. Renewing the mind is also doing what? Walking it out. Doing what it says. Because we can. How many are ready to renew your mind more than you've ever renewed it before? How many are ready to start thinking like God thinks? Stand to your feet today. Praise God. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.